Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. I think we can do a little bit better than that. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. We are celebrating not only the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we're celebrating that what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago is personal. It, it, it intersects with our story. Over 2,000 years ago, this man, this Jewish man named Jesus, lived a perfect life. He was fully God and he was fully man. And he came to earth to live a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He went and died on a cross and, and then he was in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again and defeated death once and for all so that we, all those who believe in the name of Jesus, could be saved and could have everlasting life. That's what we're here to celebrate this morning, that Jesus is alive. And I want to welcome all of you. My name's Jose. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here. And uh, we got a lot of fun things going on. So this helicopter is going to be raising here in a little bit. going to be dropping a lot of eggs. And some of those, by the way, have Wimberley shaved ice coupons. If you don't know what that is, you're going to want to know what that is. And uh, if you are above, say, 12 or so, you will be stopped by our security team from collecting the eggs. So you have been warned in advance. So there's a lot of fun things happening. A lot of you are hanging out with family members and seeing old friends. That is all wonderful. The reason, though, that brings us here is the resurrection of this man, Jesus. In this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also, teaches us that the resurrection is also personal. This morning, uh, in just a, a few minutes, I'm going to step aside, and all God's people said amen, and we're going to hear two resurrection stories. People from our church family that are bold and will courageously share what God has raised in them. And so my question for you this morning is, what is God raising in you? He's in the business of resurrection, of resurrecting the old, of redeeming, of restoring. What is he raising in you? I don't know your story, but I, just a guess, that there is some pain in that story. My encouragement to you today is that Jesus also went through pain in Romans 8. Three says that Jesus, or God sent his own son, Jesus, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus went through pain so that you and I did not have to at the end. So that we could have everlasting life, so that we could have hope. And so in your pain, that may be you right now in this season, you may be in a season of pain. The God who raised from the dead, that was raised from the dead, is with you and he sees your pain. You may be in a season of your life that, that's like life has just pressed pause. You are waiting for something to happen. Maybe you're waiting for something to change in your job or, or maybe you're waiting for God to come through in some way. A lot of times we ask the question, God, why are you doing this to me? When we need to be asking God, what are you teaching me through this? What are you doing 
in me through this season of waiting or in this season of pause. That was Saturday for Jesus. His life laid lifeless in the tomb. Romans 8, 34 says that Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In our waiting, he is interceding for us. See, he wasn't fully dead. He actually went to hell and went to war for you and for me on that Saturday before Sunday. He gave us a promise that not only was he going to raise from the dead, that he was going to raise us also, all of us who know and believe in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Maybe your life is full of pain right now or, or there's a pause going on in your life or uh, maybe you're just holding on to the promise for dear life. I hope and I pray that as Tracy Clark and Blake McLean come forward here in just a minute and boldly and vulnerably and honestly share what God is raising in them, I hope that you ask the question, God, what are you raising in me. And so without further ado, let's give it up. First, we will have Blake McLean and then we will have Tracy Clark. Let's thank them for their boldness and their willingness to share with us this morning. Good morning. When I got the call from Pastor Jose to speak today, I was surprised when I looked down to see his name pop up. Not that he wouldn't be contacting me, but typically be via text. A phone call most certainly relays urgency. Anyways, I immediately thought I was in trouble. <laughs> like I was being called to the principal's office or something was wrong. So I considered screening the call <laughs> and sending him to voicemail, but my spirit man kicked in and I went ahead and answered, hello? His joy immediately put my mind at rest. Hey, Blake, what's up? Nothing, man. How's it going? Is this a good time? Um, depends, Jose. <laughs> Anyways, he proceeds to talk about Easter Sunday and resurrection stories. And in my mind, I'm like, he's going to say he wants Katie to give her testimony, and he's calling to tell me first. And for the record, I'm ready to volunteer her at this point. Like, <laughs> yep, good call. Knowing full and well, she's not going to like this. But then he asked me, and I got uncharacteristically quiet, which if you know me is not normal. I wanted to be sure he knew I was still on the line, so I let out a little, hmm. Then he says, now before you answer, I've heard you do this before, so I know you can do it. Yeah, but that was to 12 men in group, Jose. This, this is a little different. He laughed and said, you'll do, you'll do great, man. He was super encouraging as always, and I accepted. I'm honored to share a part of my story with you all this morning. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for this day and the opportunity to gather as your church of believers. Lord, help us to rejoice in celebration as we remember your victory over death today, Easter Sunday. Father, I ask that your spirit would have its way here this morning and that the, spoken, the story spoken from this stage would bring glory to your name. I pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. My name is Blake McLean. I live in Wimberley with my beautiful wife and three little girls. We've been a part of Cypress Creek Church for a little over two years now, and I'm truly grateful for this church body. We're also a part of the Kiowski Community Group. Being in community with our new extended family has truly changed our lives. My wife, Katie, and I have lived in Wimberley since 2009 when we lucked out and bought our foreclosure at the end of the recession. We actually moved here because it was one of the only places we could afford, if you can believe that. <laughs> God had a plan here for sure. This June, we will celebrate 14 years of marriage, which if you ask Katie, how long have you guys been married? She let out a big sigh and say, a really long time. <laughs> we met on MySpace. If any of you can remember that, it's before smartphones. I wish I could say something romantic about that part, but I was browsing possible female friends and bam, there she was. I tricked her with my charm and here we are, a really long time later. Now I'd like to say that for 14 years I've been the godly head of household that all men are called to be, but unfortunately, for more than half of these years, that title belongs to my wife and not to me. I didn't grow up in church, not like we only went on Christmas and Easter, but more like we never went, period. To put this into context, I was almost 30 years old before I knew Jesus. I don't mean 30 years old before I made Jesus my Lord, but I mean before I knew who he was. I'd heard the name for sure over the years, but never even asked a question about it. Before high school, I could easily count the number of times I'd been to church on my hands. One of these occasions happened when I was a freshman in high school. I was on the football team, and this power team was coming to town, and they were gonna do crazy strong stuff, breaking boards, tearing phone books in half, picking up big, giant, heavy stuff. Anyways, it sounded cool, so I was like, yeah, sign me up. Plus, the whole team was going, so what was I supposed to do? Now, in hindsight, I should have paid attention to the location being a Baptist church. But literally, that went right past me. So there I am, enjoying this demonstration when the lights go down and things get serious. Boom, altar call time. Now, I've never heard anything like this, but with every eye closed and every head bowed, I knew that guy was talking to me. Literally everything he said from the stage was relevant to me. And I did the thing. I raised my hand and I put it right back down. Now the apparent pastor says, all right, eyes open. If you raised your hand, I want you to stand up. Come on down here to the front. Now I'm like, now there's hundreds of people in this thing. So at this point, I'm confident that one of the promoters who's standing all around has witnessed me raise my hand and not stand up. So at any point, some giant muscle dude is gonna rip me out of my chair <laughs> and expose me as the fraud I am. I was scared, I mean, one second I'm hearing my life laid out in front of me by someone who's never met me. And the next, I feel so concerned with my own self-image that I can't wait to get out of there. Nobody grabbed me, of course, but I hit the door quick and stayed out of church intentionally for years. 
Looking back, it sure would have been an easier road if I'd been drug up front and accepted Jesus Christ right there. If only someone would have known that I just accepted him in my mind, but I just needed a good push. Growing up, Sundays were for going to the lake and later on in life, riding and racing motorcycles and all the fun things that come along with it. For years, I perfected my bad habits. Being a motorcycle mechanic by trade, my habits were encouraged by my peers. Years later, I went into the South Texas oil field and worked as a roughneck, and here's where my bad habits became a thing to truly celebrate. With two weeks away from home and nobody to babysit me or hold me accountable, things really escalated quickly. After a few years and a lot of hard work and a lot of extra time away from home, I got promoted to Derek Hand, which for those who aren't familiar with a drilling rig, it's the guy who works up in the top of the tower looking thing and gets all the super dangerous jobs around the rig. Anyways, one thing about working in the derrick so high above the noisy rig below is that nobody can hear you. You can scream, cry, sing, whatever, and only you and God gonna hear it. That's where I started to talk to God. Specifically, I was scared, scared of falling, scared of leaving my family with no husband or father. And I was asking for protection for me and my family. God, help me just get down this ladder and I'll do good. Now, looking back, not one time when I stepped off the bottom of the ladder did I think to give thanks. I just went about my life doing me and the heck with anyone who may get in my way. In 2015, Katie and I had our second child and along with my business partner, we started a small construction company here in Wimberley. In 2016, after multiple pay cuts, I left the oil field which I loved so much behind and took our little side company full time. In 2017, Katie came to me and said, I wanna start going to church. The girls are getting older and I wanna raise them around church. For sure she was ready for me to put up a fight on this as I had in the past. I'm pretty sure she assumed she'd be going alone but for some reason it sounded okay to me and I tagged along. The music was okay and the message was about reaping what you sow. The pastor really explained it simply and it was so clear. Reaping what you sow, getting what you give, explaining the consequences of the actions we choose, as well as the grace and receiving things we have not earned. Okay, this could work. From there we went again and again, and before I knew it, I was in a men's group and doing churchy things <laughs> three times a week. I slowly learned the basics, Christmas, Easter, Jesus is God. Literally at the age of 30, I was learning things everyone around me seemed to have known their entire life. And there I was getting it for the first time out of a children's Bible reading to my little girls. And then it got real. One evening in a men's group, my friend Sammy was leading a message about holding on to hate and a lack of forgiveness. At the end, he led each of us in prayer to release this weight to God and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So like everyone else, I said, amen. And I left without looking too far into it. But I didn't get maybe a half a mile down the road when all of a sudden I was so filled with joy I couldn't contain it. I instantly began to test this and try to think of things or people who could get me fighting mad. Nothing. Not one negative emotion could I come up with. I laughed the entire way home, grinning ear to ear. 
I started a daily prayer habit right there and began talking to God on the regular, especially in my truck. It's funny, oftentimes I'll be talking to God and at the end after, in Jesus' name, amen, I'll instinctively hit the hang-up button on my steering wheel like I was on the phone with him. (laughs) I think because of my short attention span, God really knew that to get my attention, he'd have to move quickly. And as so many close to me can attest to, that's exactly what he's been doing. I've seen miracles happen right in front of me. A man named Tracy get taken off life support only to keep on living, which created a wave of faith through his entire family. A woman named Sue come to faith right before my eyes in the midst of disaster after Hurricane Ida ripped her home and community apart. Literally, prayers answered within minutes. Every day I can see him at work, particularly in my family life, by understanding how Jesus not only forgave all my stuff, he died for me. Certainly not because of anything I've done to deserve this. He did it for free. If there's one thing I want to do well for the rest of my life, it's loving my family like Jesus loves the church. Today, a short five years after learning who Jesus is, I'm proud to say he's my savior and my redeemer. And most importantly, he's my friend. If you'd have told me six years ago, I'd be standing in front of this many people telling about my love for Jesus on Easter Sunday, I'd have said, you've done lost your mind. (laughs) But like an onion, God's been peeling the old me away layer by layer and exposing me to a life I never even dreamed about. I'm 33 months sober from alcohol today, by the grace of God. Thank you. Now, for sure, I, have a, I still have a lot of work to do, but personally, I still have a lot of work to do personally. But if one thing is clear to me, with God, all things are possible. Maybe that's you, and you've never asked God in prayer to be your Lord and Savior and to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Well, let me encourage you today to give it a shot. Have a talk with God and see what happens. Thanks for listening. God bless y'all. Good morning. My name is Tracy Clark, and I'm so grateful and humbled to have the opportunity to share this resurrection story with you all today. 1 Corinthians 6, 14, and God has not only raised the Lord to life, but will also raise us up by his power. This power and the way God has pursued me is something I don't tend to take for granted. I wasn't brought up in the church, and in my early childhood, my family practiced Christian science. Following my parents' divorce in sixth grade, I eventually joined a youth group at the Christian church my dad began attending. And it was there I experienced the pursuit of Christ through a loving, imperfect community of friends and youth leaders, a few of whom particularly invested in me, hearing about all my boyfriend problems and sports victories and defeats, and let me wrestle with theological questions and doubts. Ultimately, I accepted Christ's sophomore year of high school on a youth mission trip to a Native American reservation in Billings, Montana. And the resurrection story could stop there, but God wasn't done pursuing me yet. And the thesis of my resurrection story, the thing the Lord has taught me, is teaching me, and based on my track record, will need to teach me again, is this. We cannot do this life in our own power. The same power that raised Jesus to life is the power offered to us now and for all eternity. 
And because of that, we can truly have peace that surpasses human understanding, even in unexpected places. So I wanna tell you a little bit more about one of those unexpected places. That's Jeff, my husband, and our two boys, Brady and Luke, and in the spring of 2021, Jeff began experiencing some back pain. And for context, Jeff is a chiropractor, so he knew all the things to work on himself, and since the pain would evolve and change, he just kept working it out. We also spent a period of time blaming the pain on our new mattress, but at a certain point, as it worsened, eventually Jeff went in for x-rays, and from there we got the initial news that a tumor was growing in his spine, and it had already caused two spinal fractures. As we first processed this news, I remembered sitting together on the couch upstairs after the boys were tucked in bed and crying and praying together. On my knees, I spoke back to God and myself and Jeff all the ways God had already been faithful, all our past resurrection stories. God's faithfulness in restoring our marriage from the depths eight years prior, the way he healed our brokenness and redeemed us and changed our hearts in that season. God's faithfulness in providing for us financially when we weren't sure how things would pan out, both being entrepreneurs and self-employed and through job transitions. And God's faithfulness in the lives of our boys. I spoke the truth of his faithfulness to remind my soul and push back the swirling fears and darkness and what ifs. And one of the songs that God continued to place before me to minister to me in this season was Find You Here by Ellie Holcomb. And the first couple lines really captured the tension in my heart. It's not the news that any of us hoped we would hear. It's not the road we would have chosen, no. The only thing we can see is darkness up ahead. But you're asking us to lay our worries down and sing a song instead. And I didn't know I'd find you here in the middle of my deepest fear, but you are drawing near. You're overwhelming me with peace. I had heard that song before, but now the words were life-giving in an intimate and profound way. So I wrote out the lyrics over and over in my journal, and I let them be a prayer. That first night wrestling with the unknown, I spoke these words into the unknown and sang them, tears and all, out to the Lord. And the very next day, God is at it again. On my doorstep was a package with Ellie Holcomb's new devotional book, Fighting Words. I had pre-ordered it several months before any of this, and I'd really forgotten about it. Um, but as I opened a day one, I couldn't believe the coincidence. Ellie describes how the nearness of God had been a balm to her soul and why she didn't have to worry and always had a reason to sing and rejoice no matter what. And how in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Day one of Fighting Words described how this verse had inspired her song, Find You Here, the song I'd been writing and meditating on. And it's the song that she wrote in the wake of her dad's cancer diagnosis. And then he kept ministering to my soul. As we were waiting for more news, Jose preached on Philippians 4.13, which was a verse I had known as, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would flash back to my lacrosse days and be like, yeah, I can do all things, like score a lacrosse goal through Christ who strengthens me. But in my bilingual Bible that Sunday, I noticed my translation read, we have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives us. And Jose used the phrase, endure all conditions, which made me think about this verse in a new way, as a covering over me and my family, as a sheltering promise. God is relentless, and he continued to speak to my soul and help me remember all those times he'd been faithful. None of them had anything to do with my power or strength 
or Jeff's power or strength or our intellect or what book I just read. I really like books. Or how much kale we had eaten or how much of a safety net we had or didn't have in the bank. We could face it all simply and completely in the power of Christ. Neither Jeff nor I had to muster up the strength to get through the uncertainty of what lay ahead because we had access to the one who had already written the resolution to this story, come what may. The what ifs became even ifs. And from October 15th to December 17th, we didn't fully know what the outcome would be, but we trusted that God did. And Jeff endured the literal pain of two spinal fractures and we endured the emotional pain of not knowing. And we began letting our community group know and what I like to call our extended community group, many of you all, and I started submitting prayer requests through the ccc.guide prayer link. And may I just say how grateful I am for the safe covering of Rhonda and the prayer ministry team that allowed me to share real and raw and consistent prayers, to know and feel the presence of unity and prayer from people I probably haven't met on the team was powerful and is powerful. I think there were people praying around the clock on the day of Jeff's surgery and we're so very grateful. This idea or sentiment that well, I guess all we can do is pray. That's absurd, y'all. <laughs> That's the verse that we started with. The same power that rose our Lord from the grave is the power that we can pray in. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so that's what we did. We prayed, y'all prayed. And you surrounded us with love and care in countless ways, including gift cards and green smoothies and coffee at the hospital and the halls taking our boys for an epic Nerf gun battle and the shins and Miss Leslie taking our boys for an entire evening to the San Antonio Zoo lights, car seats and all. If you know my boys, that's a lot. Um, the Lord pursued us through you. And when it came time for Jeff's surgery, we still didn't have the answers on what might be on the other side. And as I prayed and journaled and cried and paced the halls of the ICU waiting room, what I found in the waiting and uncertainty was a sincere and deepened faith, an unshakable knowing that God is who he says he is and that I really believe this stuff. And it wasn't some misconstrued toxic positivity that said, just keep your chin up, it'll be okay. I didn't know it would be. And it definitely wasn't the prosperity gospel. That's the one that says, come to Jesus and you'll have health and wealth and everything will go your way. And I'm really glad to talk after if you need that one debunked further. The gospel doesn't promise us easy or that things will work out the way that we hope. He promises simply that he is enough, that he is faithful, that he is with us. And it was sitting in the tension of holding the unknown, the pain and the sorrow of a life that was going very differently than we planned and experiencing the loving pursuit of God that a beautiful rest came in recognizing again that we actually aren't in control of much of anything anyway, but we can trust the one who is. And I'm here to tell you that the peace that surpasses human understanding was mine while I waited in the ICU. Uh, here's the x-ray that shows the titanium spacer that took the place of all the bad stuff that needed to be removed, and I'll spare all the details on that, but suffice it to say, it was an intense surgery and a long continuing recovery but one filled with God fulfilling every promise and providing in every possible way that we needed. And ultimately, we would hear the news on the day that Jeff was released to continue his recovery at home that the tumor was benign. And several weeks later, the oncologist would officially tell Jeffrey to go have a wonderful life and he would require no follow-up from him. And I know Jeff and I would have preferred a miraculous, in-the-moment healing over months of pain and a physically altering, intense, expensive surgery and not being able to pick up his boys for weeks or see his patients. 
I'm also not naive to the fact that this isn't how all stories end, which is why God's goodness here is all the more sweet. I have a friend my age with two boys younger than ours who had surgery on the same day for a brain tumor that she would initially hear as benign to later be told it was not. And I have others in my life and on my heart and even some recent family news that leaves me pleading on my knees again. And so I think we're called to speak truth to one another in the tension of this already but not yet life where things are not yet fully restored. There's clearly pain and brokenness and sorrow in our world and God grieves with us and draws near to the brokenhearted. Scripture's honest about suffering. John 16, where Jesus says, I've told you these things, so in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the scriptures proclaim in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But wait, there's more. God wasn't finished with us yet. And that was the song, um, God isn't finished with us yet by Torrin Wells that ministered to Jeff and gave him peace that God, well, wasn't finished with him yet. So the night we got home from the hospital, I wrote another request to Rhonda and the team because I was wiped and I needed to be present for the boys to figure out what our lives in this recovery stage would look like. I kept saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength, as I put one foot in front of the other. In my own strength, I had nothing left to give, not even a half smile ever been bone level tired, ever slept in an ICU chair, that's what I had left to give. It was nothing. And yet that night during prayer time with our boys, Brady, our seven-year-old, decided he wanted to accept Christ. I was on empty, but fueled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we talked for about half an hour about what that meant, and Brady chose to make God the boss of his life. (laughs) It doesn't escape me that God gave above and beyond what we even asked for in this season, another promise from scripture. He gave us every parent's desperate longing for their children to know the Lord, and he continued to pursue and embrace us with his steadfast love. And I'd love to tell you now, I live a life completely devoid of worry and fear. Maybe I'll get there someday, but I don't think so. But that's not true. In fact, one of the reasons I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to prepare and share this story with you all is because I continue to desperately need to hear it myself because I'm just like the imperfect disciples who after walking with Jesus, after seeing miracle after miracle, initially doubted Jesus's resurrection. I saw God draw near as we face the ultimate type of uncertainty, and yet I'm already wondering again, how will he raise me up in his power in this other circumstance? I wonder, how will he provide again? Like even now, I'm facing some unknown in my work life that spins fears and what ifs instead of even ifs. And so if you're trying to do life in your own strength, How's that going for you? I wanna proclaim over you and again to myself, whatever conditions you're facing, whatever unknown or uncertainty is going on in your lives, there is a God who deeply cares and who longs to be with you, to draw near to you. He longs for you to ask him to move in your life. And in his power and in his strength, you can live with a peace that surpasses human understanding, even in the unexpected places. So whether you're petitioning in prayer for the thing that hasn't happened yet or giving praise for the thing that he's already done, because 1 Corinthians 6, 14, and God has not only raised the Lord to life, but will also raise us up by his power. Thank you. You can stay standing. You can stay standing. We're closing in prayer, and I want to close with this question. What is God raising in you? The source of power 
that allows us to overcome any circumstance is not inside, it's not willpower, it's the power of the resurrection thanks to what Jesus Christ has done for us on Easter Sunday all those years ago. And all we gotta do is believe. We gotta believe that the pain is temporary. We gotta believe that the pause is just momentary, that we will have the promise of everlasting life, the promise of healing either this side of heaven or the next. And I am wondering what that is in your life that God wants to raise up. What does it look like for us to believe that Jesus can raise that thing in our lives? And so we're gonna pray. And uh, in just a moment though, I, I wanna, Blake talked about an altar call. Don't do the altar call up front. We leave that up to you, but we do give you an opportunity if you want to decide to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you just want to say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own power anymore. I have, I'm ready to give my life over to you. That is a personal, intimate decision that you make to God. And, and I want to encourage you to fill out this card. We put the I have decided card just for today. Click that link. Uh, read or put your name on it and we will get in touch with you because we're not called to do this life on our own. Amen? Amen? That's why we gather on Sunday morning to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. And so let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Jesus, we wanna believe that you can do awesome things in us, that you wanna raise something